0: Hey, Verse Chorus Versers, D.L. here. We are winding down on season one, getting close to recording our finale episode. It's gonna be a great time with all four of us. The main question is, do you have any questions for us? Put it out there on Instagram and we actually got some pretty cool questions. So I'm putting it out on the pod too. Do you have anything for us? Write us at contact at versechorusverse.com or DM us On Instagram at verse course verse pod. We will answer them. We'll answer almost all of them. Some of them I've gotten we won't answer. But if you are at least semi-well behaved, we will. Thank you. Good night. And good luck. Spend, I'm gonna sing to you, okay? Coming up on episode 38, Spend. I'm an alligator! I'm a mama-papa coming for you. That's next on Verse Chorus Verse.
1: How I would love to see you. Otherwise I ain't got nothing to
0: do. We'll see how hard that is then. Welcome to Verse Course, Verse. With me is Sven, the spider from Mars, Knutson. Sven, how are
1: you? I'm good. What's Damn, feels like I don't see you anymore. I know. It's been like five years. Hey,
0: it's actually been two weeks in a row.
1: <laughs> Felt more like five
0: years. <laughs> We're getting good at that. Sven and I, together, mm-hmm. to do not just... A good old-fashioned album review, but a classic album review. And I think unlike last time when we did a couple that maybe weren't so much considered classics, these two are definitely considered top of the genre, Yeah, as good as it gets in specific styles. Definitely classic albums. Absolutely.
1: Would you agree with that? Absolutely. One is definitely like a historic, opened a lot of doors and... Changed a lot of things and bridged the gap between a couple of genres. Mm -hmm. And the other one is just pure vocal... The pinnacle of another genre.
0: (laughs) Right? Like, I was talking about how a classic album, like a 10 out of 10 album or the like, is either... Hi, Nino. My dog is going insane. But anyway, it either A, needs to help create a genre, or B, it needs to be the pinnacle of a genre. Right. The apex of a mountain. And I think both of these albums represent that really well.
1: Definitely. Yeah, I'm stoked to talk about both of them. This this is... Uh, I am too. We kind of are going in two different directions a little bit. Two
0: different directions. And we both really liked the album that we gave each other. Yeah. Um, Win-win. Speaking about music that I like, the music that you heard on the intro is by Charlie Marks. The song that you heard is called Meet Me, Oh Meet Me. Charlie Marks... Very, very classic folk, as classic folk as you can think of. You're talking Bob Dylan with an acoustic guitar and a banjo, and that's it. Charlie Marks is based out of Reno, Nevada, and sent me their stuff about a month ago. Immediately, I listened to two songs, and I was sold. Yeah, this
1: is is great,
0: great stuff. I'm a big fan of folk and traditional folk real folk and this is definitely there. I picture myself moonshine running in the <laughs> early nineteen hundreds, you know what I mean? Something like that. Charlie Marks, check it out on at Charlie underscore Marks underscore music. That's the Instagram. Or go to CharlieMarksmusic dot com. Has a website. There you go. That's the music that we're going to be featuring. We're going to have two breaks that we're going to feature, and you already heard the intro. Sven.
1: Sweet. Yeah.
0: How has life been for you this week?
1: Life's been pretty good. Busy as usual. I'm always busy, though. I think, I think I'm getting to the point where I have to just admit that I'm a workaholic. To my own fault and detriment and to my family and friends annoyance. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If I'm not working at one thing, I'm finding other stuff to do. Glutton for punishment, I think. But it's been good because I've had a great soundtrack for the week. So thank you for that.
0: It has been good, man. Yeah. I agree. This was a really tough week for me. And boy, the music helped. It really did. I really dig. Yeah, we'll we'll get into it.
1: Yeah. We'll we'll get into that. I was, I was stoked that you gave me something that took me on a little bit of a journey, which we'll talk about when For we get sure. into it, you know? But, um, For
0: sure. Let's get into the albums. We've got a lot of work to do tonight. Before yeah. we get into that, I want to talk about the most important part of the night. What are we drinking? I'm going to start. I am a little bit lit. Like I said, this was a tough week, so I decided to go a little bit strong, not necessarily on purpose. But for the Instagram post this oh, week... Oh, it was totally
1: on purpose, wasn't it? This was, yeah, kind when of. When is it not on purpose? Yeah, you drink your Instagram photos, so... I actually... D- it's on purpose. I
0: actually did, tonight. <laughs> so, <laughs> this week, we are coming out with a mid-90s episode, uh, Recovering the Satellites. And I don't own the Recovering the Satellites album. I'm not a massive fan of it. And the vinyl's really expensive. Counting Crows vinyls it's, are hard... holy cow, yeah. They're hard to find. So instead I went uh, another ni- mid 90s classic in so much for the afterglow. Hmm. So spend, guess what I drank
1: tonight? Oh god, you are lit. <laughs> you had you some some freak. what is that like that's like almost pure 100% this alcohol. Is, Everclear is like what? Uh, I think yeah. 200
0: proof. It's 190 proof grain 190 alcohol. Pr- so, oh, Jesus. I forgot what the name of it is. It's death by something, but it is uh like one part Everclear, three parts Jaeger, and it tastes like high school and death.
1: Yeah, that's wow.
0: <laughs> I've been timing myself. Yeah. I've only allowed myself to take a drink of it every 15 to oh, 20 Jesus. minutes.
1: That reminds me like, <laughs> And it's just a sip. There's this time when, when <laughs> Amanda and I were dating, and I think I'd met her parents maybe once. Uh-oh. But we, were, we had this dinner. Oh, and we were going to go to a show. We were going to go see uh, Mama Mia like the ABBA musical based on all their music. Yeah. Like um,
0: the movie or no, like, theater?
1: stage like Dej musical. Cool. Yeah. She had recently returned from visiting her sister in the Czech Republic. And in Czech, you can buy absinthe.
0: She has a sister in the Czech Republic?
1: She, she's back stateside now, but back this was, you know, oh, like 12, okay. 12, 14, something like that years ago. So she brought back with her from that trip some like, real absinthe with the wormwood mm, and everything. like the yeah. legit you know so I decided that would be a great night to try that <laughs> and then go uh, go hang out with the what would be my future in-laws and that yeah i i feel your pain when you like you know you have something that you're like eh, and then you can only take a little sip every 15 minutes like you were saying yeah it's a good strategy <laughs> i just down the fucker and green fairies and God. all sorts of shit
0: actually what's do. funny is absinthe doesn't taste that to me absinthe doesn't taste all that much different besides all the sugar than jaeger it's got that anise that you kinda, black licorice the an- an- yeah
1: which i don't like it was whew. well yeah
0: if you, if you don't like it then you might as well just get it over with
1: i hate licorice and so yeah yeah it was just kind of one of those not like great. well i'm not gonna waste it but
0: <laughs> so that's what i'm drinking uh sven how about you
1: <laughs> oh well i'm not drinking absinthe <laughs> I'm going to make you help me pick, because I like doing that game. Yeah, 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 I like this game, too. Getting in the spirit of the fall season, I have a... Pumpkin Spice Latte? Well, it's base. Oh, gross. <laughs> if you're listening, Rachel, I hope you're not a Pumpkin Latte bullshit fan. She is. Fan. She totally is. Oh, shit. <laughs> I love Pumpkin Spice Latte. You couldn't guess no. that by
0: her favorite album being 1989,
1: Sven. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Rachel. We love you, Rachel. Um, Oktoberfest. Oh, This okay. is a a local uh, Boise brewery, Sockeye, that made Great a Socktoberfest. This is out now for the season, so I picked up a six-pack of that. But then I've also got some Elysian Stardust IPA, a little stronger of an option, which I figured would go really well with the album that I'm going to talk about. Yes. Um, so I don't know. Maybe you... I'm going to have one during one album and one during the other album.
0: Sven, you're first. So you're doing I, Stardust? I'm drinking
1: an Elysian Stardust IPA.
0: So I bet by now everybody can guess what album we're doing. Or can you? <laughs> All right. Let's get into this. Hey. God, we have a lot to cover. We are going to take a break. We're going to let yeah. everybody take a deep breath And then we're going to be right back with some intensities going live at Budokai. All right.
1: I had an extra one i drank last night
0: oh, oh last night oh yeah you dummy
1: <laughs> yeah i'm a dumbass spend <laughs> never never god damn it this week <laughs> i gave spend
0: david bowie's the rise and fall of ziggy stardust and the spiders from mars damn, damn. Before you start your David Bowie spiel, which I'm sure will be short because there's really not that much to talk about with him. No. The music that you heard coming into the break was Shady Grove. It's off of Charlie Mark's 2020 album, Honey Baby. Great song. I pick these songs. Very rarely does an artist say, hey, I'd like you to play this and this and this. Nine times out of 10, they say, just whatever you like, put it on. So, these songs are songs that I've gone through. I've said, yeah, this song's great, and put it on Shady Grove being one of them. So, please go download them. Go listen to them. Go to the Instagram at Charlie underscore Marks underscore music. We appreciate letting us play it. We're glad to get it out there. Hopefully, we get you some downloads. Sven, take it away with Mr. Bow. Yes.
1: You gave me. The one, two, three, four, fifth studio album from a man who recorded like a million Mm. studio albums and live albums and singles and movies and concert films. And so The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and The Spiders from Mars, also one of like the longest album titles (laughs) um, I think that we've ever had. Yeah. I think you're right. That's going to be fun trying to stick on the Instagram screen for the promo. Because that's it's funny.
0: I was just thinking of that. <laughs> it's going to be the whole circle. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Also, before we dive into this album, how does someone get to have two albums with the same name that's also the name themselves? of themselves and their two yeah. albums? One's the first and one's the... the first two albums are the same title. By the same person.
0: Another thing before we get into this is what I found studying for this album, which I've been doing for a long time and it wasn't long enough. Mm -hmm. For anybody that's worried that how are these idiots going to get an album like this summarized into half of a podcast episode, we're not. This album will be talked about again. We're going to be doing year dissections. I guarantee you there's going to be a lot of David Bowie dissection on this podcast, so... This is not the only yeah. Ziggy Stardust that will be talked on this
1: podcast, <laughs> so
0: we'll we'll do the best we can, but we would need four hours at least to talk everything about this.
1: Yeah. It was released in 1972, recorded almost simultaneously. Some of the tracks were recorded simultaneously and even meant to be released on Hunky, Hunky Dory. Dory. Yeah. I think in all of rock history, this tour, the, the, the Ziggy Stardust tour, there's awesome footage of it, but i love to think of that as like that's when you've made it yeah holy shit the stage set the theatrics he had a cherry picker arm that lifted him and for like 72 73 that's pretty crazy like having him like cantilever out over the audience and like singing and performing so there's a lot about this that i feel is it's more than an album this is a stage play. It's, this is a show. Oh my God. If Rocky Horror Picture Show lived up to this no, caliber. No, yeah, it is.
0: It's avant-garde. He takes from theater, it, from opera, kabuki, anything you can think of. He's Yeah. He puts so much time and thought into how to become this different art form. Right.
1: And he commits.
0: You talked about Hunky Dory, which really, yeah, a lot of this was recorded with Hunky Dory. and And Hunky Dory, I'm not going to... I can't tell you which album I like more. I love Hunky Dory. But it was definitely clear that as a artist, this was when he really found himself.
1: When he finally came over stateside and gave the U.S. audience their first glimpse of him. This was his first tour over here. It was big in that regard. A lot
0: of the music before Hunky Dory and Rise of Ziggy, He did a big tour here, his first one, and he heard a lot of new stuff, a lot of new music and things like that that fascinated him. And he took a lot of that into the studio with him.
1: Yeah. Diving into kind of like the the meat of the story of the album, it's all based around this fabulous character that he invented, Mm -hmm. Ziggy Stardust, this androgynous, well-hung... Fair skin. It's very funny to me. Really interesting looking. But all those dudes
0: back then that really wanted, they wanted to be androgynous. They wanted to be known that they were gay, which is great. Like all that sort of stuff. But it was very important to them that people knew they were well hung. They were well well hung. hung. It was so weird. And still
1: have lots of symbolic phallic kind of references and yeah oh, yeah. yeah very much <laughs> and the wardrobe definitely was picked and designed to, to help communicate that
0: spinal tap when he's got the cucumber <laughs> right. in his Pants trying to go through the airport. (laughs) Yeah, it's glam rock. It's 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 glam. This
1: I don't the makeup, the hair.
0: Mark Bolan is considered the founder of glam rock, but if you really look into it, if you look at videos and things like that, Bowie was doing that sort of shit about a year or two before he was. Mm -hmm. So I honestly consider Bowie. The founder of glam rock i think it's splitting hairs and stuff yeah. but not that he needs more credit for influence but i really do think he fully influenced this whole proto-punk glam rock i thing. think totally
1: this album has a lot of things that i think influenced glam rock and punk genres yes i think we wouldn't have had a lot of the punk bands that i enjoy The thing I love the most about this story, before I start talking actual tracks and songs, Mm -hmm. for an alien, he's very human. (laughs) The entire saga, the rise and fall, is very... It's what humans do when they become rock stars. And we watch it, the tabloids, and we watch it on the news. We see this story played out with celebrities all the time. Bowie told the story using an alien introduced when the world is facing apocalyptic ending there's only five years i guess we'll we'll just jump into track one before the end of the world before the apocalypse track one five years is kind of like the news flash where you first learn like oh shit it's all gonna end Mm -hmm. i love how the the album changed like the story in the whole album changes perspective of the storyteller
0: yes yeah because
1: at this point ziggy stardust hasn't entered i just love the way that he he builds starting with that starting the story
0: i just love that we're getting into it and we're explaining it this stuff doesn't happen you don't get this anymore this is one of the greatest concept albums that's ever been made it's so rare nowadays to have the entire structure of an album mean so much from song one to the last song the whole album is based on one concept that tells yeah. one story, and that's it. And it's just really refreshing, and it's happy. Yes. It makes me yes. happy to that we're talking about an album that's telling a story. It's pretty
1: clear. It's it's an album about love. I think love and that, fame, love and fame, yeah. and hope. The the great way they start out with introducing you to this impending apocalyptic disaster. It's a great way to set the stage for then talking about love and hope. Through the story, those themes are woven, even though what you're really hearing Mm -hmm. is the story about the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust. This is like straight out of an amazing Hollywood movie.
0: It is. One of the things that made Bowie so unlike anybody else, is that he legitimately found importance in every art form. And he tried to bring that into his music. Mm -hmm. And he was obsessed with Kabuki for a long time. This Asian art. Japanese, yeah. You aren't making songs. You are making a story out of music. Yeah. And he was very obsessed with that. And he was obsessed with musical structure, which is why he chose Mick Ronson as his guitar player. Because Mick Ronson was... It cannot be overstated to me how important Mick Ronson was to being part of the Spiders from Mars, which was cons- which was David Bowie's band. Yeah. He was such a brilliant arranger. He was one of the most underrated musicians of all time. And in an- I remember in an interview once, and I wish I could remember who said it. I don't have it written down. But the guy said that it would be, it would have been like having Stravinsky in your band. Mm. Going along with the Kabuki, he wanted costumes in it. He had this big thing for Clockwork Orange, so he made sure that his droogs were all dressed the same. It was just, it was this entire concept, and... Like I said, you just don't get that anymore. You don't.
1: You finally kind of get introduced by track three, I think. Man, this album.
0: (laughs) Track three is Moon Age Daydream, which everybody, most of you probably know. Yes. It's funny when you're talking about songs that so many millions of people, we all know them. We all know it well. It's a brilliant song. That is kind of when you're introduced to the alien. Right. I want everyone to go
1: Google Pink monkey bird because that's a fun adventure.
0: (laughs) Put your privacy on. Put your what's it called?
1: Yeah, yeah. Put your incognito on. Pink monkey bird.
0: Yeah, he was really big on the
1: innuendos for sure. Rock and roll bitch. He was. He was. Yes. Um, You can see Ziggy. Part of it's just how much Bowie embraces the character for like a year. Ziggy is Bowie. You start to. Yes. To, yes. Like once you let that launch out of your brain, this whole album really becomes even more addictive to follow. In Moon Age Daydream, you're introduced to Ziggy. Then uh track four Starman. This is Ziggy mm-hmm. communicating with Earth. One thing that struck me this time around, I I hadn't noticed this until this week. When he sings star man. all i keep waiting hearing in waiting in the sky all i keep hearing is somewhere over the oh shit and yeah. now <laughs> i cannot not hear wizard of oz all through this song artistic standpoint visual standpoint uh-huh i feel like yeah. looking at some of his costumes and stage sets for the tour like he may have pulled some inspiration from Wizard of Oz. I don't know. Not a lot of songs do that. And now I've got Judy Garland.
0: <laughs> no, that's a really great pull. I had never associated that. I wonder, yeah, I wonder if it does have that sort of magical, otherworldly feel. I don't know what it is about Starman. It's not even, there's something about the chord structure that's going on with that, with strings and everything. It's not that Groundbreaking of a lyric or anything like that, but there is something about no. it that just makes it so beautiful. Again, I, just love this,
1: it. I love it. Up to this point, I feel like all these songs are scored like a movie soundtrack or like yes. a like a musical. And I think a
0: lot of that's Mick Ronson. A lot of it's David Bowie. He proved his whole life that he's just a brilliant producer. And then, yeah, let's not forget that Ken Scott also worked on this, right? Which It's Ken Scott, Elton John, it's the Beatles. If you think of a British band that was groundbreaking, Ken Scott was there at some point.
1: I remember too, the team of Ken Scott and David Bowie, like them together, in some interview that I came across, Ken said something about like, on this album, out of the ones that he produced with David Bowie, 90-something percent of the vocal tracks were... Take one. Oh, Bowie. yeah.
0: No, you're right.
1: Just he did not like take.
0: He would never do any more than three takes ever.
1: Yeah. And a lot of them were like first take.
0: And Ken Scott, he came in there thinking this is going to be a nightmare. And he was, we don't need it. Like, yeah. we're good. Yeah. It's Crazy. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, just another, I don't know. It's so funny. Yo, you're right. I
0: totally forgot about one that. One more yeah. notch on you're the, right why though. David
1: Bowie is such a master.
0: <laughs> he was too brilliant to stay. And it's why, you know, Ziggy Stardust is one of the most prominent projects in musical history. Yeah. An artist could have made a career for 30 years with it. And in a year, he was done. On to the next yep. thing. I'm done. That's just David Bowie. He just kept finding these brilliant things that he'd do, and he'd get bored of it in a year. Yeah,
1: it's not like he just gets bored and then he's done. Because after Ziggy Stardust, he came in. He came up with that Aladdin something or other character, Aladdin. Yeah, similar, very similar. Very similar. Um, An American version of Ziggy Stardust. So I actually, when I
0: said that I really want to keep going with the Ziggy Stardust stuff, this won't be the last time we talk about it. I really want to, next season, because I, researching this album, I became so infatuated. I think it'd be really fun next season if we did like a two-part with all four of us on the three consecutive
1: albums that he did. 71, 72, 73?
0: That's one of the greatest three album runs in the history of music and... I think that'd be really fun to and
1: do. The, yeah, and the rapid rate that he was able to get all those out while touring. Yeah. That's that's insane.
0: And there there just wasn't any Oh my god, this is so brilliant in him. He's very much a Beethoven in that he would find something he'd write it, he'd put it out, he'd play it. Okay, now what's next? Yeah. I'm done with that song. I don't want to do that anymore.
1: And this was still really early in yeah. his career. Like I said, this is like the 5th album. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the official count is because I it's a lot <laughs> it's a lot because then you have to choose like because there's a bunch of live albums and stuff all mixed in there and i haven't weeded that out but there's so many that david bowie's done yeah. anyway it ain't easy it ain't um easy. i believe that's a cover right is it who did the original i didn't that? know that uh ron davies
0: song by ron davies yeah
1: so it's not a bowie song i didn't song. know that i mean If you're going to do somebody else's song, closing outside one with it is a good placement for it. It fits the story. So brilliant that he found something that actually fits in a way that, I mean, this is a pretty elaborate story, (laughs) and it's all Bowie fingerprint. So the fact that he found somebody else that that wrote something that fits smack in the middle of this story, up until now, you didn't even think twice about, like, this sounds like somebody else. I had no idea. Yeah. I haven't heard the original version, so maybe Dave. uh, now I want to go listen to it. I I do too. Listen to Ron Davies' version. That brings side A to a close. Mm -hmm. Side B, I start getting... A little antsy and a little excited. Up to this point, things have sounded and felt fairly similar from track to track. Side two starts out kind of that way. Lady Stardust still has that same yeah. feel a little bit. Young American um, All Star right, a little bit too
0: thing going and stuff. Right. Yeah, it's a it's What pretty... I am
1: dying to talk about is actually jumping to the third track on side two, Hang On To Yourself. This is one of two, possibly three, that I feel shaped punk rock. Oh,
0: okay, yeah.
1: And help us transfer from glam rock back to to punk rock down the road.
0: He's not going at it. He's laying back. He's being cool. But it's quick. It's fast.
1: It's driving. I think it's the guitar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. It's this one and Suffragette City. Suffragette? suffragette suffragette i've been saying suffragette i feel like a
0: suffragette
1: well then suffragette i don't Mm. even know what that means so
0: a suffragette that was a female who wasn't allowed to vote
1: oh like suffrage movement okay
0: i'm wording it terribly but it was member of an activist women's organization who were trying to get voting rights
1: that makes sense now right (laughs) it to me has a lot of influences that i hear and none of them what I expected from suffragette suffragette anyway um, <laughs> the driving like constant piano thing yes. to me is very like pounding old school rock and roll like American rock and roll it's like Chuck Berry or, or what's the uh, Fats Domino Great Balls or of Fire guy or or Johnny the Good guy
0: I mean Chuck Berry did Johnny Be Good that's right
1: the piano just like this constant like rocket
0: oh little richard yeah little richard but little richard you know best rock and roller of all time yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like
1: that that, that,
0: all the guys that elvis stole from little (laughs) richard and chuck berry and right fats domino and
1: so suffragette city (laughs) to me reminds me like punk rock meets uh little richard i guess yeah it was
0: like this perfect mixture of cool american rock and then the stooges punk
1: yes that kind of punk so I've talked about the two songs around Ziggy Stardust, which I'm going to guess is the one that probably more people know. If you know one song on this album, that's probably yeah. it. I know that was the first song I ever heard from this I album. I think it was
0: Me Too. I don't remember.
1: I remember it being one of the first guitar riffs I learned to play. Was it? Uh, that dan dan really yeah i still love that i'm so pissed that it's already a song and that (laughs) it's not only already a song but it's this song and it's that awesome if you want the cliff notes for the whole album ziggy stardust is that it's like the okay i'm gonna give you the the whole story real quick this is this this is is who he is he rises to fame he lets it go to his head causes this rift is band hates him we see this replayed with celebrities and things yeah, like
0: nobody knows exactly what he was trying to say with this album it was this very Andy Warhol-esque and when I say that what I mean is to me I don't think Warhol knew what the hell he was doing and I think he even admitted that a lot fame was going to take care of fame no matter what you did oh yeah once you were Andy Warhol you could come out once with he, that's a, your name a black and... piece of paint and everybody would say well that's brilliant." To me, what this whole album was about was that it didn't matter if you were some alien from another planet that was sent to save humanity. It didn't matter if you were pure as Jesus or whatever you want to say. Fame will eat you alive. It doesn't matter where you come from. It's going to get you.
1: That's a really good way to kind of sum it all up. Yeah. Fame will eat you alive. It's a cautionary tale, and it ends with rock and roll suicide. Yep.
0: Time takes a cigarette, puts it in your mouth. You pull on your finger, then another finger, then your cigarette. David Bowie's lyrics are just... He just seems like the type of asshole that will sit down and write this in 20 seconds, and it's the greatest thing that you've ever read. Yeah. It makes me mad.
1: Yeah. (laughs) The effortlessness... Wow, Stardust is making me not talk. <laughs> Effortlessness. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word. And you
0: haven't been drinking as much lately, so I haven't.
1: So I am a your light tolerance right now. is
0: lower. Good man.
1: How effortless Bowie seems to make this writing process, this album. The fact that he did it, squeezed between two other albums while on tour, it's troublesome. The creative process, it sometimes just gushes out and it's so fast and other times it's frustratingly taxing and slow. When you look at somebody like David Bowie and how much creative force just came out of one person and the amount of work that he put out.
0: I love how you put that. The amount of creative force that came out of one person. Yeah. I'm going to say it again. He threw this out in a year. Yeah. He was done. He moved on he went to aladdin and then he moved on to to the new bowie phase which we all know there were fucking 15 of them right he's like nobody else i've ever listened to this is why i obsess so much over this album Uh everything that we're talking about the story who david bowie was when he got into this when he wrote this album how young he was and when he was finding himself as an artist all this stuff When I first got into this album as a kid, I didn't know any of that. Yeah, I wasn't there in the 70s. That was the thing about this is you needed to be there. You needed to be there in the 70s and see this androgynous makeup wearing short haired dude playing and talking about how he's gay. You did not do that back then. And to not have lived through that, I didn't. All I did was I heard this album as a kid in the 90s and thought, wow, this is an amazing fucking album and that's it. Yeah. So I already loved this album and then you hear about the story and what it was and what it was supposed to be, how do you not completely fall in love with this album?
1: While I was listening, I hadn't approached it from that perspective like if this was 72. That's pretty shocking actually.
0: Yeah. Bowie when he first toured with this in America, his first couple of shows, he would come back to his manager and be like, "They hate this. This is America hates this stuff. They're mm. not receptive. It's silent." They're not cheering, nothing. And the manager was was like, "You don't understand what's going on. They don't have the capacity to cheer. They're standing there with their fucking jaws
1: open, mouths and jaw. <laughs> yeah, you're just breaking out of like the golden age of macho masculinity into like a second age of macho masculinity." <laughs> The Spiders on Mars were very short lived. I think by the end of the tour, they were all so sick of each other. And I, yeah, there's concert footage, there's like a whole concert film, a movie yep. of this album. And I think that's their last show.
0: I do think the band was sick of it, but I also, like, I, sorry, I've said it many times. That was just Bowie. He was done. I'm on to my next thing. I'll see you guys.
1: He set the bar so high for himself. And I can't believe that he didn't let anyone down, <laughs> like, with the rest of his career later on there's some questionable (laughs) song choices and things that he's like some singles and things that came out. uh, You mean like when he worked with the
0: Rolling Stones?
1: You keep (laughs) digging that hole, David. You keep digging that hole. It's all right. I don't even know that was so good I don't even know because you just burned the stones and I got to laugh at that and think about all the people that are going to go
0: Rise and Fall Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars I think we've gone through we went through all the tracks right
1: I love this so
0: we agree on that one yeah
1: (laughs) yes there's something you'll never see on, on VCB. yeah very
0: rare that's it for now for Rise and Fall. There is going to be more talk about this. Let's get into the rewards and category of oh, rewards. We're not rewarding our uh, award. Rank the uniqueness. I mean, it fit the times. It was incredibly unique. It was also very, you know, you heard a lot of Beatles and Pink Floyd and stuff like that. In I it. think
1: the uniqueness maybe wasn't so much in what you were hearing, but more in what you were seeing and in the story that was being told
0: i'd agree influences and influencees, like we said there's no secret here he came out Ooh. and said that the influences here yeah. were vince taylor who was an old british super rock star he was like the elvis of of europe and uh iggy pop mm-hmm. there was no greta van fleeting here he was very open about who he was stealing from
1: and i still say that i i'm hearing like little richard yep you brought up Chuck Berry. Chuck I Berry. think that's totally the, there too. The Beatles.
0: I hear some Beatles um, in this.
1: I'm still pulling that somewhere over the rainbow Wizard of Oz on Starman. I don't I, yeah.
0: Influencers I mean, ha ha ha. Yeah. Rock and roll. <laughs> I guess we get Yeah.
1: Glam rock, punk rock, post punk. Like I don't know. You can name a bunch of like Yeah. I think there's like entire genres that pull from...
0: In a six degrees from Kevin Bacon style, I assure you that all of my top five favorite bands, I could get back to this album in five moves easily. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Fine Wine or Skunk Beer, same thing. I think this is an incredibly classic album that's never going to age
1: out. I think that you could completely try to transform it and it would still be relevant. And if you leave it exactly how it is, I think the message is still relevant. The Very. only way that you can tell it's from the seventies is it sounds like it's from the seventies.
0: Never mind the Bullocks Award. To me it's not. Bowie just had too many great albums. Do I think this is his best album of all time? I don't know. I'm not ready to answer that.
1: I don't have a best david bowie album i don't think there is a best
0: god i could just with well this needs to be a seven-part episode um john paul jones award
1: okay maybe not replace but there's two people that i keep thinking like how cool would it be to see these two people and david bowie iggy pop i think is probably really obvious the other one though maybe not so obvious but freddie mercury if you heard freddie that's good doing a thing with bowie yeah like yeah i i don't know i would melt
0: so mine is in that similar vein and it comes from rock and roll suicide because i can hear his voice in it when bowie's doing that you're not alone at the end john lennon i would love to hear john lennon yeah, just a little teeny part somewhere on this album. Not that it's not like Bowie needed any help on this. Like it could very well be no John Paul Jones. Like we don't need anybody else in this. But
1: John Lennon, Beatles ish, definitely a little day in the life ish. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I get where you're going. Yeah,
0: the John Popper Award for best hook.
1: I've got a couple. The one that like hook hook that's a legit hook is five years but then also probably just because i love playing out on the guitar is the that guitar riff from ziggy stardust
0: mine's just star man yeah i'm a big judy garland fan so. <laughs> eddie van halen award best Rip. in spite of how many amazing musical parts are on this the guitar the strings this is an amazing musical journey mm-hmm. i'm going lyrics yeah. Don't fake it, baby. Lay the real thing on me. The Church of Mad Love is such a holy place to be. We already talked about Starman. Mm -hmm. Bowie just knew how to write lyrics. I don't know how hard he tried. I don't know how easy it was for him. It's just got me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you have an Eddie Van Halen Award? Well, you
1: know me. I take the Van Halen Award pretty literally, and there wasn't like a shredding solo, but that's a good thing in this album. This is not that type of of an album everything is very intentional everything is very well placed and the focus needs to be on the story and the lyrics and not some guitarist or drummer doing some solo or you know whatever it's it's not about the band members it's about ziggy
0: and that's one of the reasons why i think mick ronson was such a fucking beast he has a chance at the end of moon age daydream when Bowie just has him go off for, you know, whatever, 45 seconds or whatever it is while the strings are going. He doesn't flip a bunch of shit. He's playing like seven notes Mm -hmm. and just whining his guitar, trying to get it so much to go along with the strings and with, you know, Bowie's croning, kind of like uh, the man who sold the world. Right. It's just brilliant. I remember we, were do, we did our episode with Mark mm-hmm. from Pure Nonsense, who's one of our favorite listeners. And uh, he said that he couldn't quite pinpoint what my genre was, what my taste was. He, he can't quite get a finger on it. Uh, Mark, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> just compare everything to Ziggy Stardust. Surfer Rosa Award. This is an interesting one. Yeah. If you look at what I would call the quote unquote radio hits, they're sprinkled. It's, you know, track four, track seven. Ziggy Stardust is what, is, track eight or something yeah, like that? Yeah. This is too much of a concept. This did not follow right. your typical, well, we got to come out with a banger and then track three has to be our best song and then uh-huh. we got to slow it down a little. It, it didn't have that sort of thing to me.
1: Like you said, the focus was the story and the album tells uh-huh. the story. Just naturally, I'm drawn to more songs on side B than side A. And I don't think that was intentional on Bowie's part. That's just my taste.
0: Like you said, there's a little more driving force towards the end. Yes. And I, I think, think that's because with his concept, with with the person landing and then becoming famous, going faster. And here yep. comes the drugs and here comes the sex
1: and the what fame. What does that say the... about me? I think I've got a lot of uh, self-reflection to do.
0: It says you're a badass rock star, Sven.
1: like ziggy stardust and then the songs on either side of it draw me in more than
0: time your life award do you have a least favorite
1: song that's hard i feel like that's just asking to get an ass whooping i'll start
0: i've said this maybe two or three times on this podcast but if i have to pick one it's star the song star but i love that song it's just out of 10 gems it's my least shiny gem i guess
1: yeah I'll commit to "It Ain't Easy" because it was written by somebody else, and I feel like that's a safe, safe. Uh, it was a co-
0: actually that's a good call. Safe
1: bet. I'm playing it cover. cover. Safe.
0: You threw me off with that. Can't believe that's a cover. Three best songs on the album. Ooh. Spend.
1: This is also hard, but I think you already know. So going to side B. Hang on to yourself is my number three. Okay. Suffragette City is next and oh leave me
0: baby and i'll hand up on a ticket okay go ahead
1: <laughs> ziggy played guitar so ziggy stardust is Startus. your favorite
0: all that right it's my favorite my top three are completely different and i think that speaks to how good this album is yeah because uh, honestly for as much as our opinions differ we usually have at least one song that's the same on the top three my third favorite is Five Years, See, track one. Pretty really
1: close on my list too.
0: I love the building and he's getting louder and he's starting to kind of desperately scream as he's realizing that there's only five years left and his voice is starting to, I just, God, it's good. Uh, number two is Moon Age Daydream. Mm-hmm. Freak out on a Moon Age, and my number one, there's a starman waiting in the sky. That's one of my favorite rock songs of all time. Actually, Starman and Moon Age Daydream are two of my favorite rock songs of all time. So I, it's you know, you could throw a rock, and I, I'm not gonna. Argue I love that
1: you picked all side um, A songs, and I picked all side B songs. It's like this album is covered yep. like Tupperware. It's it really covered. is covered.
0: Who won the album? I am going to steal from the writer Siltonen. The crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes. That is who won this album. David Bowie was a fucking king of the misfits and I miss him. I think it's amazing. His last album is so fitting because it's all about his own death. What can you say about David Bowie? Yeah. That's who won this album to me.
1: Well, I can't follow that up. (laughs) I mean, I totally agree. Like, that's, that's yeah. I I was simply going to say all of us, but you narrowed it down very precisely, and I think that that's that's 100% correct.
0: Rate this album, Sven. Give The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and The Spiders from Mars a rating.
1: I'm going to give it 10.
0: I kind of like that. (laughs) It's 10. Okay. I like that, (laughs) Sven. I'm giving this... And I don't think it's that huge of a surprise with, with what we've been saying. I'm giving this 10 out of 10, Spiders From Mars. This is the Lauren Hill, I Love You To Death. This is the 10 out of 10-iest album that wow. we've done so far. I would give this 80 out of 80 if I could. David Bowie, you're the goddamn man. And I honestly, when I gave this to you as the classic album, I didn't think it was that classic of an album to me until mm-hmm. I started researching so you're it. are sure- just like, oh shit. Oh, I, shit. Well, I, <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. I knew how big this album was. I knew Ziggy Stardust. I knew Moon Age Daydream. And I knew Starman. This was, it was on my Bowie radar, but not really. Holy shit. It's way more than just classic Bowie. So I, I'm not, I'm so happy that. You gave this to me. All right,
0: that is the best we can do with the time allotted. Uh, let's take a break and let's come back with our second album.
1: But I fear what I may never find Ah, oh, a fool who hopes for the better Without making change And you were unable or unwilling the result is all the same. Let's do this. This week, oh, I gave David the 1994 classic R&B old. album by Boys to Men two In Roman guess, numerals. Well, I tried to be who you wanted, but I never knew quite who that was. And it turns out that neither did you, ah, neither did you.
0: Boys to Men too. I am excited for this. Before we get into that, the song that you heard coming in from the break was called Where I'm Bound. That is the last track off of Charlie Mark's 2021 album, Unbecoming. Two albums on Spotify, full albums that I have listened to, Honey Baby and Unbecoming. Honey Baby being much more of a almost monophone style album, Unbecoming being a little more produced, but not really, which is not, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. I think that this sort of music, there's a lot of grit and character in it when it's done like this. I really, really enjoy this music. If you ever want to just listen to some old school bluegrass, have a drink, chill out, listen to this. It's really good. Thank you very much to Charlie for letting us play this. Uh, let's get into Boys to Men.
1: Following up Ziggy with some '90s R and B.
0: Two, the second non-Christmas album by Boys to Men in 1994. The first one being Coolie High Harmony, which. Most people probably know from Motown Philly. It was very funny that you gave this to me. And I questioned it at first, but (laughs) you know what? I like that you gave it to me. I sat down, I put it on, first song comes on, thank you, and... Sven, this is just such an amazing song. Yeah. It really is. It's right? it, the production, the yeah. writing, the arranging, the
1: singing. And with the choir background that you have, I <laughs> knew that you would appreciate the vocal parts. Yes, yes. And I've I heard love you it. sing a cappella quartet. It's a
0: pinnacle of a style. This song is unbelievable. Great beat, great, great harmonizations through the whole thing. There's always the solos going on wanya morris
1: who's the uh, who's the main they i think switch nathan and wanya 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 and, and sean carries quite i don't know well, I- thank
0: you is this amazing lead vocal running through with these amazing backup harmonies ducking in and out of majors and minors it's so good that's actually one of my gripes with this album. And I don't even know if it's a gripe. If it, it might be a good thing that they did it, but it is just shot so hard out of a cannon. Mm-hmm. This is one of the best vocal songs i've ever heard yeah they just throw it out at you right at the beginning and then yeah deal with it it's hard because the whole rest of the album i feel like a like, fucking heroin addict chasing the dragon like okay when do i get that again you know what i mean
1: right i was hooked from the first bop that chord that they hit it's just like it's an instrument mm-hmm. it wasn't for dude singing it was like someone Played it on an instrument. Nailed it, and they do that the rest of the album. All the harmonies. And some of the harmonies are hard. So hard. They're not just like singing triad, root and fifth with the third in there. Like they're these are jazz chords they're singing. It's, it's unbelievable.
0: It's the the harmonizations that they're hitting. I don't want to get too much farther into it before we give credit to this was done under Motown Records. It broke a lot of records.
1: You got a lot of famous names associated with this too. Yes,
0: A lot of really big producers, including one that I'm sure we'll talk about more than the others. Well, you know, like Brian McKnight, Tony Rich, they're all big, but there is the one big one that I really think was behind a lot of the really good in this album.
1: The face behind the faces. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It debuted at
0: number one on the billboards, spent five Uh weeks at number one. It was the third best-selling album in 1995. It sold 12 million copies. I'll Make Love to You spent 14 weeks at the top of the Hot 100, making it the first artist to achieve consecutive double-digit runs at the top. Because On Bended Knee was there before it.
1: And there was a third artist to do that. Oh, who? After Elvis and the Beatles. That's pretty good company to keep, though. If you're going to break records and be like, the only two musical groups or people to beat you are Elvis and the Beatles. Yeah, that's all right. I think you're doing pretty damn good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a very 90s R&B feel. Yeah.
1: It's the epitome of, like, mid-90s r&b right
0: it totally is
1: the beats even the production
0: you look at the producers you look at brian mcknight and la reed and babyface tony rich it's you know exactly what you're gonna get to me thank you with the exception of maybe motown philly yeah thank you is kind of the pinnacle of this you have this niche of early 90s, late 80s, Belle, Biv, DeVoe. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then you have these, I mean, you see influences by like the four tops. There's and, some doo-wop
1: and, in here. And, mm-hmm. Right? Exactly.
0: There is so much incredible on this album. All Around the World, song number two, I will say. And this is going to be a new thing now on the podcast, Sven. Are you excited for this? What's that? David's Cardinal Song Sins. Ooh.
1: <laughs> Do you like that? What what <laughs> sin did they just commit? <laughs> so
0: we are about to name number one on David's Cardinal Song Sins list, and it's from all around the world.
1: And you know what it is? Is it the girl with the accent and the other girl with no, the other accent? No, I can accent? handle the
0: French the other... woman being, oh, uh, je m'appelle sexy, uh-huh that's fine whatever but there is a lyric where he starts naming off women's names oh yes i can't get behind that (laughs) but it is it's very 90s r&b
1: that's what this whole album is (laughs) it's
0: i usually fucking hate songs like this that are all about you know we're famous and we're touring and we're doing this but you can't hate this song because they're not bitching about it most people they sing about this and like every motley crew and every other person that wrote a song about how hard it is on the road is the op this song is like no we're living it up we're loving this being on the road is awesome and i like that i can't hate on this i don't know if it's just the swagger in it or what but it's yeah we're on the road our life is good the fans are great, all the women.
1: I think it's nice to finally hear people at that level not bitch about it. Exactly. It's just like, okay, you're acknowledging that this is where a lot of people want to be. Okay. Like, yeah, <laughs> this is actually
0: pretty awesome. I kind of like this. There's a lot of really cool stuff on this that I think is it's kind of half funny Because it's so unbelievably 90s. Yes. If you are to think 90s, not even 90s R&B, just the 90s, there are at least two songs on here that if you say that name, anybody our age is going to say, oh, God,
1: yeah. Hell yeah, I remember that. This album had at least three to four appearances on every high school and junior high dance floor yeah, where you yeah. stood like arm's length away from someone barely touching them. and
0: I'll make love to you. <laughs> the end of this album, which just went apeshit, I'll make love to you on bended knee. <laughs> bended knee. It's cr- crazy. Um, the middle of this... Album is very generic '90s R&B. Yeah, vibin' I Sit Away. These are extremely '90s, great, not amazing. But, I mean, you
1: think about where they found. I mean, this, we're talking Motown, and I think we all know where Motown's yes. what what they've put out and what they've contributed to music. So it had to live up to kind of that reputation. They and they needed yeah, this bad. in the '90s. They had not been doing well. They, yeah, this was not unfamiliar territory for them i think this was like jackpot because they didn't have to change their entire sound look feel strategy brand yes i don't know the whole story this seems like you found some kids that sang acapella and you thought let's put them with these r&b producers and see what happens because it's gonna be good no matter yeah. what going back to thank you how you were saying like you once you heard thank you and then it was like chasing that dragon the whole rest of the album. To me, that was the closest thing to like high school collegiate acapella performance that you're going to get on a commercial yeah. studio album. It's a very small crowd that loves that, but there is a crowd of people that myself included that head over heels, I am addicted to that. Just hearing human voices create that wall of sound with no other aid
0: the arranging the engineering was just so
1: brilliant but you look at the production team you look at the list of producers and it's like well they pulled in everybody they could think of like <laughs> how many of the songs on this albums were like hits or at least like top 5 or top 10 or whatever this whole album yeah. is yeah 1994 through 1995.
0: So the biggest hit, what was the biggest hit?
1: The biggest hit was... I'll Make Love To You was the first single. I'll
0: Make Love To You and On Bended Knee were the two biggest hits. So I'll Make Love To
1: You... Oh, and End of the Road was at top for 13 weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I'll Make Love To You beat that by 14. Okay, yeah. 14 weeks at the top of the 100. I'll Make Love
0: To You, which was Babyface. No big surprise there. You know it is what it is it's a very time appropriate song here's the thing that frustrates me is a lot of the songs on this album that got really really famous are not the ones that deserved it right there was so much more talent in songs like thank you and you know
1: and jezebel jezebel was one that oh that song i remember okay Jezebel was the bumper. That was the song that had the bass. So I had this boombox when I was however old I was in '94. I had this cabinet, and I mm-hmm. figured out that if I stuck the speakers from my boombox inside of this cabinet and shut the doors, it turned it into like this crazy subwoofer bass. And Jezebel was the song that I could get the whole house to shake from my room. That's awesome. I used to torture the shit out of my parents. <laughs> just...
0: It's funny because I don't have a lot of notes on Jezebel. The only notes that I have are how amazing the bass is in Jezebel. <laughs> yeah. It's the most simple bass line. It's like four notes, and it's just yeah. so good. I just love it. Jezebel yeah. is a great song. It bumps But you had I'll Make Love to You, which was one guy soloing. Yeah. And then the chorus would come. then you had On Bended Knee. It's one guy soloing, you know, asking for forgiveness for cheating or whatever fucking stupid thing that they always do on these stupid songs. And then it's a chorus. Those songs don't.
1: And same thing with Wait Till the Water Runs Dry. It's another one of those. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like a lot of their big hits are those.
0: But at least with Water Runs Dry, it's just so well written. Mm-hmm. And it's got the strings in the background and it's got the really cool fucking actual snare doing the yep. work through the whole thing. Yeah. I think that's what really saves Water Runs Dry for me. Yeah. Well, it's... I mean, so that's another one that was produced by Babyface. Uh-huh. I'm telling you, Babyface is, he's the man. He.
1: Produced everybody mm-hmm. in ninety mid-90s, right? Like, Unfortunately,
0: those songs took a lot away from a lot of songs that I thought should have been bigger on this. Yeah. But that's the, one of my biggest takeaways from researching this was the frustration of pop music. You know, I'm not saying that I'll Make Love to You is a bad song, but you can't tell me that that's a better song than Thank You. Yeah. And that was a thousand times more popular.
1: T- totally. It's sad. The group didn't even want that to be the single that it was i'll make love to you ended up being the first single despite boys to men themselves not wanting it to be and then it was such a success
0: a lot of music that carried pop culture for years was because of boys especially the groups boys to men didn't have choreographed dancing they weren't doing anything they didn't need it you know why Because they were singers, because they were amazing at what they did. That got lost. I don't even want to say that got lost. That was already a rarity. Like who else was doing that besides Boys to Men?
1: I don't know if you ever watched um, the Sing Off.
0: No, you you just taught me about it like four or five weeks ago. Yeah,
1: we're talking about so Ben Foles was a judge and host on there, and Sean Stockton from Boys to Men was also a judge and host and a lot of groups that performed on there and a lot of the music that came out of that show you really hear this style reflected boys to men even though it was a acapella that sing-off show was all acapella mm-hmm. to me this is like what happens if you take an acapella quartet and then stick instrumental backings to them and make them mold to that brand at that market that product but at the core, you could strip all that away, have them just perform just four vocals, and it probably would have been even more amazing.
0: They probably just knew, hey, if we come out with "I'll Make Love to You" right now, we're going to make millions of dollars. That, so that's what that we're doing. That too. That too. I feel like I complained too much on this. I didn't mean to. This was a blast. I yeah. loved this. I loved listening to this. I have nothing but good things to say about Boys to Men. When you think Boys to Men, you think '90s cliche. But it's one of the most talented groups that there's ever going to be. Yeah. I think that they could have displayed their talents way more if it wasn't for maybe a little bit of leashing by, right, the, right. by the label.
1: This album was the first time there was a Grammy Award for Best R&B Album, and they won it. Oh, really? So they finally like solidified a genre and made it mainstream instead of just like this other music, maybe.
0: That's very cool. Okay,
1: and, that's And, oh, cool. another bit of trivia that's funny before we wrap up Talking Boys. Did you know they opened up for MC Hammer? Sven,
0: do you want to know where Hammer and Boys to Men went on their Too Legit to Quit tour?
1: Let's hear it. They went to Boise. They were here in Boise. Do you know who went? Did you go? I went with my cousin. Oh, I'm so jealous. I did.
0: It was one of the first concerts where our parents took us to them, and I remember... Boys to Men, on like the last song, I don't remember what it was, but they literally start like dry fucking their microphone. (laughs) 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 And our parents were like, oh, what the hell is
1: this? It was the most awkward thing ever i'm so glad i brought that up that story is priceless shout
0: out cousin jenny i remember that concert (laughs) let's get into awards and categories i've got a good david crosby met award david crosby met award for bad reviews on amazon this is robin goodfellow who gave this one out of five stars the title for this is Imagine a World Without This Band's Boredom. Uh, sounds like Written in 2005. Sounds like it's... God, I love this so much. I don't know if Robin's a guy or a girl, but there is an artist referenced that you... It's going to make you happy, Sven. Let's do this. Believe it or not, I actually expected to hate this because it just doesn't suit me for the good kind of music. I didn't misread that. That's what that says. Yeah. It sounds just the way I thought it would sound. Crappy. It isn't hard enough to be all that good, if you ask me. It is just too calm. <laughs> and <laughs> and now you probably think I'm a hypocrite because I like Enya. <laughs> At okay. least Enya doesn't sound like someone who sounds like they're in a garage band attempting to record bad music. Not my style.
1: <laughs> At least Enya doesn't sound like they're in a garage band. That's the weirdest... I don't know. Thing. I've... I've I've been in some garage bands and none of them have sounded like Boys to Men.
0: <laughs> a two thousand five review of a nineteen ninety four R and B album that references Enya <laughs> and talks about boring garage bands. That's the craziest shit I've ever read in my life. I want to ask you an honest question. Okay. I really want to hear this because it might end our friendship.
1: I'll try to give you an honest answer.
0: To you, what's better, the Beatles or boys to men's yesterday?
1: Oh, that's a shitty question to ask. (laughs) I like a lot of yesterday covers. There's a lot of great ones out there.
0: I think these two are the best.
1: Even though it's the same song, to me it's apples and oranges. Okay. Because it's a completely different style. Yeah. They didn't just cover yesterday. It's dangerous, though, to give you a better or worse than the Beatles. Like, I'm not going to fall for that. <laughs> I feel shit. like
0: this is Sven's way of saying that he likes this one more. Rank the uniqueness. I think it's incredibly unique. It's Motown quartet mm-hmm. in the middle of the 90s when vanilla ice was pumping i'm, I'm shit still trying
1: out. to wrap my head around how like this opened up for the too legit to quit what is the audience prepared for at that point after listening to this and well then, we like, weren't
0: prepared for boys to men dry humping their mic i guess that pumping. was the way to bridge the gap <laughs> can't touch this <laughs> Influences and influences. we talked about it actually. Yeah. It's Influencies, New Edition, Bell Biv DeVoe, The Temptations, mm-hmm. really anything like that. And Influences,
1: it's... Every boy band that came after this.
0: Tons of Influences. But yeah, yeah, I think the biggest one, you're right, is all the boy bands had to add some dancing because they weren't as good. Yeah. A fine wine or skunk beer, Sven?
1: As much as I want it to be some fine wine, it's borderline skunk beer. Because I feel like, with the exception of songs like like Thank You, the production is what dates it. If they hadn't done the 90s R&B production, the vocal performances, I think, would have been timeless. But yeah, the album itself. And they
0: couldn't even, you know, I completely agree. And it's honestly, it's frustrating because, and I keep going back to it, but songs like Motown Philly, yeah, it sounds early 90s. It does. But it's still fresh because they rely on the talent of the voices. Not the production.
1: Even like nowadays, like, uh, oh, shoot. Bruno Mars is like trying to... Yes. He he has a lot of that Motown sound going on.
0: Uh, Never mind the Bullocks Award. I don't think so. I think that this is a great album, but I I think their first album was great too. I've only heard their first album in this album. What about you?
1: I'll say it's their best album even though i liked motown philly even though motown philly i feel was like more the the song that i like and like thank you was the version of that or like i still feel like this was the stronger of the two barely and then other than that i've only heard like christmas shit so
0: john paul jones award i couldn't think of anybody everybody that was involved in this album should have been from the four members of boys to men to Babyface to motown
1: yeah i would kept it the same
0: easy John Popper Award for best hook. What you got? Ooh.
1: I feel like that's kind of like their thing. All their hits have these. It's the hook that makes it a hit because the verses kind of are just, you know, filler. Yes. I think I'm going to go back to thank you. That's that's my jam.
0: Mine is Jezebel. I didn't realize that I had ever heard Jezebel. That hook has been in my head for probably like 20 years,
1: never knowing where it came
0: from. I will randomly, like, months at a time, all of a sudden, I'll be like, let me let. What the hell is that from? And I've never thought about it. 20 years later, here we are. There
1: you go. Yes. Mystery solved. That is the
0: hook to end all hooks. (laughs) Yeah. So Eddie Van Halen Award, obviously, there's not a bunch of musicianship in here, but I am just going with vocals. Although there is some very shredding piano in this album. The end of Jezebel, there's some amazing piano. Yeah. But the breakdown of all breakdowns is in thank you. Yeah. It doesn't get any better than that.
1: I agreed. I was gonna I was gonna call that one out. We agree. Myself. Yeah, Surfer
0: yeah. Rosa Ward. This is like a reverse Surfer Rosa. All the songs that got major yeah. were at the end of the album.
1: Definitely was. And still num- <laughs> the first song was still my favorite. Yeah, me too. Um uh, weighing that out not really kind uh, of maybe yeah. time of your
0: life award time of your life award can't be khalil because that was about their road manager that got shot so i can't yeah as much as i on
1: that tour that you saw
0: yeah on the tour that i saw that he got shot in chicago, oh, chicago so, yeah. but i don't kind of yeah. a weird song but he can't pick that trying times is my least favorite mm. there is a part in this album in the very middle there's three straight really slow r&b songs by the time you get to trying times, it's like, fuck, man. Like, I got to get out of this. Like, we got to, something's got to happen here. Yeah. What about you? What's your I time in the life, ward?
1: think water runs dry. There's something really? about it. When that song comes on, I just can't wait till it ends. It's probably a personal thing going back to some junior high dance or something. I think I got stuck dancing with somebody that I didn't want to, or maybe it was like I, somebody that I wanted, someone I had a crush on dance with someone. <laughs> Seems like, I don't know. Between that and On Bended Knee, I will say that it's almost a tie between those two. Yeah,
0: three best songs in the album. I'll go first. <laughs> uh, my number three is You Know. I like that minor. It yeah. all, it, it's got a rock chord progression, but it's just done with R&B. I love that. My second is actually Water Runs Dry. I Hey, I you, really enjoy that snare work. It's a good song. And the harmonization. And the strings, I just, that's a really well-written song. Good job, baby face. And number one, I don't think there's any surprise for either of us. Uh, my number one is thank you, like with a bullet, no hey. question. Sven, what about
1: you? Yeah. Number three for me is Jezebel.
0: Good song. Uh,
1: just because of the bass, I think. Number two, kill me if this doesn't count, but yesterday. Yeah,
0: it counts. Yeah,
1: they didn't write it, but it Ooh. is. It is, and I'm with you on my number one pick. It's "Thank You." I sing that in the shower. I love that song so much, and that's the only place that I sound good. <laughs> Everybody, yeah.
0: go listen to "Thank You" Thank and you. try not to get down. It's impossible. Uh, who on yeah. this album? I am saying Motown. This was part of an R&B renaissance that I think kind of saved Motown. I don't. It wasn't looking good for them, and this gave them a, a lot of a millions of dollars.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I want to say everybody that got into quartet, acapella type music, even though that's not what this whole album is, that's what this group inspired in me. I got so into the way that voices can blend together. A new
0: generation of harmonizing. Rate the album. Spend, what do you got on this one?
1: Yeah, it's like a 794 out of like 920.
0: I like it. I gave it an 8 out of 10. This is the only group that I'll accept a Beatles cover from. It has its faults, but it's an absolutely wonderful defining album of an entire genre. Big fan. Yeah. I'm glad that you gave this to me. I absolutely consider this a classic album. Well thought through. And that's it. That's Ziggy and Two. Yeah. Whew. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all Sven and I have for you tonight. We're exhausted. That was a blast.
1: Yeah. Awesome, awesome album choices. Yeah. yeah. Kudos to us. <laughs> we did
0: good on that one. Uh, verse yes, verse. Dot com at first verse, verse pod followed the things like the stuff Write to us. Let us know why we're dumb, why we're smart. All oh, that so well, we're not yeah. smart. Let us know why we're done. Come join us next week, episode thirty-nine. Oh, this is gonna be good. Sven is a pleasure. Yeah, always good to see you. Always peace, and we're out.
1: Peace. Oh, I, oh, <laughs>